My name is John Rauch. For those who don't know who I am, stepping in for Jim today. He's out of town. Uh, most of you probably know he's in Asia with our team that's there, uh, committed to uh, loving on our orphans that are over there in Thailand. And today they're in Cambodia, and they'll transition to Thailand here in a few days. And uh, so I get to step in and hang out with you guys this morning. Uh, those of you guys that know me well know how much I love kids. Uh, and those of you who don't know me well are probably glad to hear that. Um, since I am the children's pastor here at Grace Community Church, that I actually like kids. Uh, I enjoy hanging out with them. I love teaching them. I love uh, playing sports with them. I love coaching teams. You know, uh, right now coaching a little league team. I love doing that stuff. Just loving to be around kids. I love when they wash my car for me. I just love kids, all right? They're just awesome. And um, uh, I, I should tell you that sometimes, you know, I enjoy just kind of talking with them and hearing what's going on in their lives and what they're kind of interested in at school or at home. And I, I just should be honest with you that, that your kids share some very interesting stories from home life. And, uh, but I don't want you to worry because I never, ever judge, okay? Um, once in a while, I might judge a little bit, but not very much uh, because, because my kids have lots of interesting stuff to share from our home as well. A lot of interesting stories. A couple weeks ago, my daughter was at a birthday party and she comes home and she says, Dad, she's 11, she's a fifth grader, Dad, Next time I am at a birthday party with my friends across the street from our house, do not mow the grass with your shirt off. Thank you. She says that to me. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, it's good advice. You know, I can't say the best things. They're so honest with what they say. I love that about them. And, uh, and, and I got this email a couple weeks ago from uh, Dick uh, Gearing. It's a guy here in our church. He's a kid at heart. And he sent me this. He got this from uh, Ken Davis. These are actual advice, actual statements that kids have said. And I love these. I thought I'd share them with you today. These are from kids. Number one, this is a good one. When your mom is mad at your dad, don't let her brush your hair. That's good advice, right? That's wise. It makes sense. Uh, here's another one. Puppies still have bad breath even after they eat a Tic Tac. That's interesting. That's interesting that that child knows that. Uh, here's another one. Never hold a dustbuster and a cat at the same time. That's practical. That's good advice. Uh, here's another one. You can't hide a piece of broccoli in a glass of milk. I didn't know that was confirmed yet. That's good to know for me. Uh, and then last, uh, don't wear polka dot underwear under white shorts. Now this Memorial Day weekend, that's good to know too, right? Because now we can start wearing white, I guess. Well, if those are the only five things that you learned from this message today, if you wrote those down, then you are already a better follower of Christ, okay? That's, that's how good that stuff was. You know, kids are awesome. Kids just say the greatest things, I, and I love talking with them. But, but maybe you're like me, and sometimes... Sometimes you, you think your kids are speaking like another language and you just are not getting whatever they're trying to say. And, and then it's obvious that they're not getting whatever you're trying to say back. You know, I mean, you've been communicating something and in your mind, it's been super clear the last 10, 15 times you said it and it's still not getting across, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, nod your heads, yeah? You know, that's kind of what it is. And sometimes you feel like, man, I can't relate to them at all. I have no idea. They're just weird, you know? Kids are just odd. I'm not sure what's going on with them. But, but uh, man, how did they, you know, come from me? Because I'm not weird. You know, it's kind of things we think. And so today and next week, we're going to talk. We're going to have a sit-down conversation and just a family talk. That's what, we want to talk about how to talk to kids, how to communicate with the next generation, because this is so important. 
It is so important what we do to pour into the next generation. And as a church, we want that to be one of our values. We want that to be something we're known for. And the people of our church, that's what we got to do. That's what we got to be about is pouring into the next generation. But don't worry. There's not going to be any advice from this stage about how to be a perfect parent about how to be a perfect teacher or a perfect kid city leader or a perfect access leader or a perfect coach. Those models don't exist, not here at Grace, not even in the scriptures. The parents that are in the Bible, they make me feel like I'm really good (laughs) because parenting is hard. All right, so there's no perfect parents. Most most books you read about parents kind of usually start with an ideal mom or dad that just seems kind of, well, perfect. And, and that's not how it is. And so that's not how we're going to talk. And I want to start today by just encouraging you. If you have an active role in young people's lives, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a coach, whether you're a small group leader in Axis or Kid City, or whether you're involved in the Boys and Girls Club, whether you're a parent, I want to encourage you that you are probably doing a better job than you realize. And you're probably making more of an influence and a difference in those kids' lives than you realize. Sometimes we kind of get down on ourselves. We think, what am I doing? I don't know if I'm making any kind of difference. I want to tell you that you are. I want to encourage you that God is using you in in ways that you probably don't realize. And you are impacting people. Wayne Frankenfield, my fifth grade teacher, did not see instant results in my life. There were many days he probably wondered, what am I doing? Why am I a teacher? But I want to tell you, all these years later, I can remember stuff that he would say to me. I can remember things that he taught me. And I can remember the way that he made me feel cared about. I remember that. I can still feel that today. So you are making a a greater influence on the kids around you than you realize. And when I'm talking today about kids, I'm talking about our kids that you, you know, our children that we have, as well as the kids that are around us. Maybe that's your neighbor's kids, maybe that's your nieces and nephews, maybe that's your grandkids, maybe that's kids here at church. But I'm talking about kids, kids in our community that we all have a responsibility to pass faith to them, to help them understand and know who God is. And so you are doing a great job. I want to encourage you. Whether you have kids or don't have kids, you have an opportunity. You have something to give to the next generation. You have something to offer, and it is critical I wish, and my goal, and my prayer is that every person who's a part of Grace Community Church would have an active role in the life of someone who is younger than them. That you would have an active role in bringing faith to the next generation, whether it's a student, whether it's a child, whether it's a young person, but that you are pouring what God has poured into you into someone else. And that is what our legacy is. That is what is most important. Because if we don't do that, then it, everything else that we've taught the next generation really is meaningless if we don't teach them to know who God is and to have a personal relationship with him. Every single one of us should care. So we're going to turn to Deuteronomy 6 today. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up. If you don't have one, you're going to want one. All right, so raise your hand. We have some volunteers, some ushers who are going to come and put some Bibles in your hands. Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's the fifth book in the Bible. I've been reading through the Bible um, this, uh, this year, which is also good news since I'm a pastor that I read through the Bible. And I've been reading through the Old Testament, and I'm kind of going and, and getting through these first five books of the Old Testament, and just kind of rereading in, in my mind, trying to understand what it was like for that nation of Israel, those, those, those gods who were God's chosen people, to begin that uh, journey. And I'm reading a lot about Moses, because he was their leader for most of that time. And Moses was someone who had given his entire life 
of leadership to the people of Israel. He loved them. He cared for them. He brought them from where they were in Egypt all the way into the promised land. And all of that teaching and training and all of that stuff, instructing in between, he was there for that. That was his legacy. That was what he was about. And so here he comes to the end of that journey in Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is basically him recapping the last 40 years that he had spent live, uh, pouring into those people of Israel. The last 40 years of, of all the signs, all the wonders that God had done, all the experiences, all the great things that God had taught them, all the commands and decrees, the law. And so he was putting that all together um, for them here at the end, recapping all of that. And he sits down kind of here in this passage and, and he wants to talk to them about how they're going to pass that body of knowledge and that body of experiences onto the next generation. Because like us, that was going to be their legacy, passing faith to the next generation. So let's read this together. Would you mind standing up? And uh, we're going to read Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 9. All right, 1 through 9. Nine verses we'll read together. Uh, here we go. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy a long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Thanks so much. You have a seat. Thanks for reading along. Like the people of Israel who are sitting, listening to Moses share that information with them, like them, we, our greatest legacy will be whether or not we pass our faith onto the next generation. That is it. That is what drives us as human beings, is to pass on what God has done in our lives to the generations that come behind us. That is what's most critical. That's what wakes us up in the morning. That's what gets us going. That's where we go to bed at night tired. Whether you are a parent or not, your greatest legacy will be on this earth, reaching the next generation and pouring Christ into them. Because here's how this works. If we don't tell this generation about God, who will tell this generation about God? If we don't reach these kids right behind us, if we don't pass on to them, if I'm a teenager and I'm not thinking about the kids behind me, if I'm a young adult not thinking about the teenagers behind me, if I'm not a grown adult thinking about those who come behind me, who will pass it on to them? See, our faith is only a generation from extinction. You know how that works except that God comes alongside and he's going to do what he's going to do. But for our part, we need to pass it on to them so they can pass it on to the next. Most parents can't give their children a lavish inheritance. But you know what we all can give to our kids? A legacy of faith. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. And you know what's most important that we pass on to our kids? A legacy of faith. That's what's most important. That's what they need. 
even more than anything else we can pass on to them. That is what they need, and that is what each of us can give to them. There is no greater, greater cause. You know what our team is doing in Asia right now, loving on those kids? That's more important than any job they'll ever have. It's more important than any job they'll ever have, passing on faith to the next generation. Think about it this way. Of all the things that you, have, that you know, of all the skills that you have gained on your time on earth, all the nuggets of knowledge that are kind of tucked away in the folds of your brain, of all those things that you know, which of those will be most important to the generation behind us in 100 years? Which of those will be most important? Because in 100 years, the only thing that will matter in a person's life is whether or not they have a relationship with God. That's it. There's nothing else that's gonna matter. They could be an awesome mechanic, but if they don't know God, they're in trouble in 100 years. They could be an incredible baseball player with a curveball like no one else. But if they don't know God, in 100 years, they're gonna be in trouble. That's it. That's what we need to make sure we pass on. Nothing else that we accomplish as a people, nothing else that we accomplish as a church, nothing else that we accomplish as individuals will matter if we do not pass on faith to the next generation. Moses gives us some insight here. He was passionate about this like, like I was, like I am. I was, I'm supposed to be sitting down to give this and it's not working. <laughs> because this is important. This is important. Moses, as he was talking to the people there of Israel, he, he didn't want his whole life's body to just die with them. He wanted it to go to the next generation and to the generation beyond. And we're going to take a look at that. And so he gives us some principles here. There's a man named Reggie Joyner who's been a mentor of mine from a distance. I've read everything he's written mostly about kids ministry in a church. And uh, he brings out four values, four, four truths from this passage here in Deuteronomy that I want to share for you. If you're a parent or if you are a person who cares about the next generation, which, which like I said, I, I, I think is every one of us here. Here are four values, four truths that come out of this Deuteronomy passage I want to give you today. Here's the first one. Number one. What matters more than anything else is that my kids have an authentic relationship with God. What's going to matter more than anything else that I need to pass on to the next generation is that they have an authentic, and that means real, you know, real relationship with God. That's most important. That's number one. Look at what Moses says, Deuteronomy 6. These are the commands, the decrees, and the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land. So Moses had learned these things from God. He had passed it on to the people, and now he wanted them, like he did, to pass it on to the next group of people behind them. Verse uh, 2, so that you, and then your children, and then their children after them, may what? Fear the Lord your God as long as you live. People have a relationship with God. That's what was most important, more than anything else. Now he didn't say, I mean, he could have said a lot of things. He could have said, now, hey, over the last 40 years as we've traveled through the desert, we've learned a lot of important stuff. You know, how to change the spark plugs on the camels. Uh, uh, how, you know, where to find a good spot to put our tents. Uh, there are a lot of things that we need to pass on. And we got to pass that information. We got to teach our kids that stuff. We got to teach the next generation that stuff, what we've learned. But Moses says, above all those things, I mean, those things are important, but everything else kind of hinges on this. Everything else that you teach them comes back to this that you teach them about God. 
And, and, and so as you are, you know, changing spark plugs, as you are learning a curveball, as you are whatever it is, everything you're doing is coming back to teaching them to have an authentic relationship with God. So think back over the last six months, the, the, the people that are in your lives that you are pouring into, they're your kids or they're someone else's kids or the people at work, whatever it is. How many of your conversations or how many of your events that you have planned or the things that you have done as a family or the things that you are you know, doing with the people that are under you that you're pouring into, how many of those have been towards, focused towards them having an authentic personal relationship with God? Because that's supposed to be our motivating drive. So all the stuff that I do with my family, and I do lots of stuff with my family, but everything that I do is kind of pointing towards that goal of them having faith in God. But if we're honest, and, 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 and I try to be, and, and try to be honest with you, like I said, I'm certainly not a perfect parent. Um, I do this just like you probably do this. Most of the things that we do, most of the activities, the events that we do as a family or, or when we're around kids um, or those who are under us or those that we're pouring into, most of the stuff that we do comes not out of a motivation for them to have authentic faith in God, but it comes out of a motivation to simply make them happy. Because we just want them to be happy. We just want them, like, like if I'm home and I'm in charge of the kids, I don't want them unhappy then I'm unhappy. And so what I'm motivated to do is to make sure that they're happy. And when I think about what I want to do with my family this year and we plan trips and stuff, I want them to have fun. I want them to be happy. And, though that, and, and what I'm saying is that's important. And I'm going to talk later about the importance of, of connecting with your kids. But that's not our end goal. But so many for us as parents, that sort of is our end goal. We want our kids to be happier than we were. We want our kids to have more than we had as a childhood. We want our kids to experience things we never experienced. And that becomes the end of our goal. But no, those things that we want for our kids, happiness or whatever it is, or the people that are around us, as the goal that's above that goal, what that is building towards, yeah, I want to pour into them. I want to care about them. I want them to have a good time. I'm not trying to be mean. But all the things that I'm doing build towards them having faith, authentic faith. That's what's most important. That's what motivates me. That's what pushes me when I'm doing things the way God wants me to do. That's what Moses is talking about. So you think back to those experiences, like I said, six months, the last six months, all the things I've done with my kids, all the things that I've done with those that are around me that I'm pouring into. How many of them have been motivated to simply kind of make them happy? And, and I've sort of missed the overall goal, the umbrella goal of them having authentic faith in God. That's what motivates us. Most important, what matters more than anything else that I do with my kids, with the kids that are around me, is that they have an authentic relationship with God. Because at the end of things, that's what I'm going to care about. Man, when I'm at the end of my life, like Moses at the end of his life, he's sitting down at the end of his life, and he's thinking, I hope to have a relationship with God. He wasn't worried about what their grades were. He wasn't worried about their, you know, how great they were on a team. He wasn't worried about you know, any job skills they had, he was worried about their faith. That's top. That's the priority. That's, when we come to the end, that's what we're going to worry about. And so that's what we need to be building towards right now. Here's the second thing he says, the second principle. First was what matters more than anything. My kids have an authentic relationship with God. Second is that kids need to know that I care more about their heart than I do their behavior. The kids that are around me, the kids that are in my life, the next generation, the people that I'm pouring into. And that's true, again, if I'm thinking about a work relationship, the team that's around me that I'm in charge of, that I'm responsible for. 
They need to know that I care more about their heart than I do about their behavior. Deuteronomy 6, take a look there again, verse 4. Moses says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, when we hear that, those verses, they sound so familiar to us because Jesus repeats them in the New Testament. So we've, if, if you've read the Bible, if you've been uh, to church or this church or any church, you've probably heard that before. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, sometimes all your strength, all those things. And you've heard that before. That sounds so familiar. But the people who were sitting there that day, that was, that was new to them. Here is the Lord our God. The Lord is one. They got that. But then Moses says, now I want you to love God. That was a new principle. They sort of feared God. And you kind of start reading through the Pentateuch like I've been reading. There's not a whole lot of like, you need to love God. And so Moses is, is finally kind of at the end of his life. He's putting this together, the connection between obedience and love. And in our relationship with God, it's not about me keeping rules and about pleasing him. It's about, he just wants me to love him. He wants me to love him. And when I love him, when my heart loves God, all of a sudden I begin to act and do the things that I was trying to do to please him. Does that make sense? It's our heart that matters. And the same thing is true, not only in our relationship towards God and his towards us, but in our relationship towards our kids and their relationship towards God. And so as I'm trying to pass authentic faith to them, I'm not trying to get them to be a certain kind of person and do certain kinds of things. I'm not trying them to, to have them uh, act a certain way and show good behavior. I'm concerned about their heart. Because if their heart is right, they're going to act the way that God wants them to act, and, and I'll be okay with it too. My kids need to know that I care more about their hearts than I do their behavior. See, the scripture teaches over and over the heart is the control center for life. Take a look at these verses, Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, it says, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. You see, our hearts determine our behavior. What's inside my heart is gonna work its way out in the way I talk, in the way that I act, in the way that I think. That's just the way it is. If I wanna change those things in my life, I gotta change my heart. There's some untruth in there. There's some, there's some things that are in there that shouldn't be there. Some things that I'm believing about myself or about other people or about our world that is causing me then to act the way that I'm acting. That's where I got to root it out. I can't change my behavior and expect the inside to change. No, it comes from the inside. Take a look at Mark 7, 21. This is Jesus. He says, from within, from within, out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, Adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly, rooting for Michigan. All those things, all those things, all those things come out of an evil heart. They come out of an evil heart. How can we expect people's outward behavior to be right when their hearts are so wrong? Now I'm preaching, come on. You see, it comes from the heart. It's on the inside. All those things that we see in the world today that are a problem, we just listed lots of a murder, whatever it is, those start right here. There's a problem here in someone's life. Uh, take a look at Luke 6. Jesus says this too, 45. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his what? 
And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his what? For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. When I'm, when I'm falling away from God and making choices that aren't pleasing the Lord, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm blowing it, it's not my behavior that's the problem. I gotta change something on the inside. When I release myself to God and I say, God, this is what I've been acting out of because I think I need to control this because you're not doing a good enough job or, or I think this is gonna make me happy even though you've said it's not. That's a heart problem that I gotta get right. I gotta change what's in here. And then when this changes, that other stuff that I do or say or think, it falls into line. But with our kids, we're often tempted to, and we get sidetracked on their behavior when the key issue from Scripture clearly shows that it's their hearts. It's not their behavior. Um, we know that what's most important is on the inside. You see, when it comes to our kids and passing faith to them, when they know that we care about their hearts, we're then able to pass on what we want to pass on to them. Because love, love is the conduit through which we can effectively pass on information or truth. We must go after the hearts and not the actions of our children. And, and, and I, I struggle with this. You know, I don't appreciate being disrespected. And sometimes I can get, you know, let this get the best of me like all of us. But do you realize that you can win an argument with, with a child? You can win an argument with a child and you can even get the right behavior out of them, but you can lose their heart in the process. So I can win an argument. I can, I can get the right behavior. In that moment, they will do what I'm going to tell them to do. Um, but I can lose their heart. A few weeks back, I was up in Kid City. I'd gotten done teaching the, the large group uh, time with the elementary age kids. And, and I was kind of getting my props and stuff ready for the, for the next service that was going to be coming in. And there's a small group that meets in that, there's a, a class that meets in that room we're out of space up there, and so they, we use the theater for, for double duty there. And so they're using that room, and I'm kind of listening to this small group of boys and their leader, and he's talking to them and kind of going through, uh, you know, a conversation with them. They're discussing, well, there's one boy that's not engaged at all, and, 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 and that's kind of saying it nicely. Um, he's, he's, he's not with the group. He's, he's climbing on the benches. He's kind of over here disrupting, just doing all kinds of stuff. And so I, I walk over to him and said, hey, any, any chance you could you know, join with the rest of your group and kind of focus on what they're focusing on? Um, and he screams in my face, I want a mountain climb! Which I wasn't sure what he was talking about because I'm like, we live in Indiana. I, I, there are no mountains here. You're going to have a sad you know, day. Um, but he... And, and, but I said to him, like, with a, as a straight a face as I could, as I'm thinking these things in my mind, where are the mountains? Um, I'm, thinking to my, I'm saying to him, um, well, is there any way that you could climb mountains this afternoon? Um, and right now you could um, focus with the group that's talking. And, and again, he just gets my face and he says, I can't do it this afternoon. Well, kind of after two times of talking to me like that, sort of the flesh begins to come you know, out, the, the old person, the old John. And I'm like, we're talking right now. Step out of the hallway. And as I'm walking out with him, though, then the Holy Spirit kind of whispers in, just have a conversation with him. And so we sit on the ground there in the hallway. We sit on the floor, and, and I, I begin to talk with him. And I say, uh, tell me why you can't uh, climb mountains this afternoon. 
you know, what's going on? And he kind of calms down and begins to talk to me. And we had a conversation. And it turns out that he had all this work he had to do that day, um, cleaning around his house and some things because uh, his family was going to be evicted from their home. And in that moment, those pressures that were on him were what, you know, was causing him to um, act the way he was. And he didn't need a lecture from me about proper conduct in a group setting. Um, he needed to know that I cared about him. And, and I did. I mean, I can remember myself, you know, the Christmas that we lived in a hotel because we didn't have a home. And, and so my heart, you know, cared about him in that moment. And kids, before they're going to listen to anything that we're going to say to them about truth, they first need to know that we care. We care about their hearts and that that's more important than their behavior. If we're going to be effective communicators of the gospel, if we're going to be effective communicators of God's truth, our kids need to know that their heart is what's most important to us. And so sometimes in the moment, we can't always have a conversation. Kids just got to obey, and I get that. But then later, we go back and we have a conversation with them. And we say, do you know why I acted the way that I did, why you had to do what I was asking you in that moment? It was because of this. And I'm just telling you, the generation that is coming behind us that you're raising or that you have raised is, is a conversational generation. Um, do it because I said so just doesn't go very well. It didn't go very well when your parents said it to you either. Yes, we need to obey and yes, it's right, but that doesn't make it a, a great reason. And so if you can explain some things, if you can have some conversations, even if it's, again, later in the moment, doesn't always work, you go back later, you have a conversation. You say, hey, this is what I was thinking. This is what was going on. This is why we need to do this. Do you understand? Does that make sense? Those kind of things, that goes a long way when you're trying to gain the heart of your child and not just their behavior. And the reason that I'm okay with that is because that's how God treats us. You see, Jesus coming to earth and putting flesh on was God relating to us. Was God having a conversation with us. And he's willing to give me grace and he's willing to dialogue on things with me. And so I should be willing to do those things with my kids as well. And so that changes the way that we discipline them when we think about that. It changes the way that, that, we, that we act with our kids. We're trying to help them learn lessons. Our kids know the difference when we're fighting with them and when we're fighting for them. When I'm fighting with them so that I win this argument, but I lose their heart, it's very different than when I fight for them because I want them to understand something. And so I think through the way I, I go about this, that I want them to get it, and I want them to be a better person, and I want them to be a better follower of Christ. And that motivates me to treat them and think about what we're going to do to treat them differently. And when God gets our hearts and our hearts begin to change, it's amazing what happens on the outside. Here's the third thing. I got to keep moving. Third, uh, my personal relationship with God uh, affects my kids more, way more than I realize. Look at Deuteronomy. Look back there, what Moses says. Uh, verse five, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Then he says this in verse six, these commandments that I give you today are to be on whose hearts? Your hearts. They're to be on your hearts. And then he says in verse seven, impress them on your children. Before you can impress it on your kids, though, it's got to be in your heart. 
my relationship with God affects my kids, your relationship with God affects your kids or the kids that are around you, the kids that you're caring for or pushing into, way, way, way more than you can imagine. Way more than you realize. Way more than I realize. You see, kids watch their parents. Kids watch the older teens that are around them. Uh, Teenagers watch the young adults that are around them. We are constantly looking to those that are above us and we're, we're watching and we're getting cues and we're, getting, we're learning by seeing what they do and what they don't do and how they act and how they treat people. Those things teach way more than we realize. Way more. Your kids will greatly benefit or not benefit from you taking your own personal relationship with God seriously. The greatest thing you could ever do for the kids that are around you is to chase after God with everything that you have, to love him with all your heart, soul, and strength. And so they see that your heart is connected to God, that you're not just doing a bunch of stuff. I'll never forget the conversation that I had with my daughter, Ellie. One night I was tucking her into bed and she was um, second grade, third grade, I'm not sure. It was a couple years ago. And we were talking and she said, Dad, sometimes I think that God is someone that adults made up to get kids to do what they want them to do. I remember thinking, wow, that is really deep. She, she, she was seeing uh, me uh, try to live out my faith um, like a list of rules, kind of just doing stuff for God. And, and she wasn't seeing a, a heart that was always connected to God, that was trying to love him and please him. And that's kind of like a lot of us. I mean, I struggle with that. And she was seeing that was coming through clear to her. I didn't realize she was seeing that. And she would hear me say things like this. You know, when she would make a mistake, I would sort of say, well, you know, what do you think Jesus wants you to do in a situation like that? Um, Do you think that Jesus wants you to do that? Or does Jesus want you to do this? And I was kind of blaming everything on Jesus. Like, like he doesn't want you to act that way. I mean, I'm okay with it, but Jesus probably isn't, so you probably shouldn't do with it, you know? That kind of thing. It was sort of with the message that was coming across to her. And, and so God was like my sort of back pocket. Oh, can't do that because God wouldn't want you to do that. And that's what the sum of faith was for her because she, she wasn't seeing a heart out of her dad that just was focused on Christ and wanting to please him and live for him. She was seeing me live just by a bunch of rules. Our kids are watching us so much more closely than we think they are. So if I want my kids to grow in their relationship with God, I want to pass faith on to them, then I, I got to look at my personal relationship with God more seriously. And so, and so here's what we got to do as parents. Listen, you need to strive to become yourself whatever it is that you want your children to become. If there's something you want to develop in your kids, you should try developing it first or at the same time. Uh, for instance, if you want your kids to make church a priority, then they got to see you taking control of your family's weekend schedule and making church a priority for you. If you want your kids to respect leaders, you want to work on that with your kids, they got to see you respect the leaders in your life, the way you talk about your boss or your company, the way that you talk about our government. Kids see that. You want them to respect leaders? You need to respect leaders. You want your kids to admit their mistakes when they're wrong and be truthful and honest? 
then you and I got to admit our mistakes to our children. When we make a mistake, we got to be honest with them. They got to see us apologizing to our spouse. They got to see us apologizing to the people around us. When we make a mistake, we apologize. We make it right. And then we'll begin to maybe see that in them as well. We want our kids to pursue God, then we should pursue God. They need to see us getting alone with him, making this a discipline that my mom and dad, man, they pray. They talk to God. Man, they read their Bibles. Man, they share their faith with, with our neighbors. You want them to reach their friends? You gotta reach your friends. What we wanna see our kids become, we should strive to become ourselves. My personal relationship with God affects my kids way more than I realize. Way more than I realize. Way, way more than you realize. Because that it that I'm trying to pass along, if I'm trying to pass it along to the next generation, that it, that has to be inside of me first. That's what Moses says when he says, uh, put that in your heart. These commandments, verse six, that I give you today are to be on your hearts and then you can impress them on your children. Here's the fourth truth that comes out of this passage about the way we relate to the, to the next generation. Number four, just being together can never substitute for interacting together. Sometimes we say, well, I'm with my kids. I'm around them. But there's a difference between being with them and interacting with them. Take a look at what Moses says to the people of Israel. <clears throat> Verse six, he says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Verse seven, he says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, when is it the right time to talk about your faith? When is it the right time and how you're supposed to do it? All the time. Every, and everything you do as a family and everything you do as a person, we're supposed to be passing on our faith. Do you know that, that your life, your, your family, you have a rhythm that you keep? Right? If you were to step away from your life and kind of look at your life and what you do, you would begin to see all that we are, all the, the way that we live is simply kind of a set of repeated patterns that we kind of do just over and over again. We, we tend to, you know, watch the same news broadcast at the same time. That's sort of when we do it. We tend to walk our dog, you know, the same time at the same kind of route. That's just the way we do it, you know. Um, we, uh, we tend to eat the same meals just kind of over and over again, Right? because we like certain ones. And, and so our lives are just kind of repeated patterns um, when we see that. And so our rhythm of our life then begins to shape our family's values. What's important comes through our rhythm. Does that make sense? And maybe you grew up in a, in a family where God was kind of like fine china. You would get him out on special occasions Maybe at the holidays or, or maybe every Sunday you would get him out and, and use him. But then you would put him back away in the cupboard for the rest of the week and, and he was sort of just there and he, he was kept looking nice and he was respected. We would never want to break the fine china. So we, you know, we respected him, but there was no love. There was no relationship. We didn't use him in our every day. And if that's the way that we're leading our families, that's what our kids are learning about God that he's sort of like fine china. Remember, our family's rhythm um, shapes our family's values and what is important. Your schedule and your life may be the largest communicator to those that are around you of your priorities. So because of that, 
Moses knew that, right? And so he begins to tell him, listen, in the, in the routines of your day, when you get up, when you walk along the road, when you are sitting at your house, when you're lying down and going to bed, when you're waking up, all of those places, you need to, to bring God and use those as teachable moments to talk to your family, to talk about faith, to bring up faith and to teach faith. Because the rhythm of our lives, the things that I do, show my kids, show those around me what's important to me, what I value. More than anything else that I do, more than anything else that I say, I should say. Way more than anything else I say. If I'm saying something, but I'm doing something totally different with my life, this is what my kids hear, not this. So Moses gives us some great Some great times. See, God has given us a life that is built for the rhythm of faith. God's an awesome God. I love this. Do you ever sit at your home? Yeah, of course you do. Do you ever ever walk along the road? We call that driving. Do you ever drive anywhere with your kids? Do you ever take them somewhere? They got somewhere they got to be? Do you ever take your kids somewhere? Yeah, of course we do. Uh, Do you ever go to bed? Do Do you ever wake up? Yeah, of course. God has built those into our family's rhythm as times where we can bring faith into the picture. Um, Listen, we all have different families and all have different rhythms. And and I'm not saying this lifestyle is different. You got to be doing these things, but we all do those things. That's why God says these are the great times you can bring faith into your family. And so you capitalize on your meals together. You capitalize on those drive times. You capitalize on that bedtime. If you're like me, I am so like, ready at bedtime. It's time to like, get the kids down and just like, please, like, don't come out, you know? And, and I, I, like, I like, by the end of the work day, you know, by the end of um, hanging out with the kids, you know, I've given them all, you know, everything that I have for, for, you know, the three or four hours that I'm home after work till they go to bed. I'm just pouring into them. I'm ready for like, oof, I need a break. And you know what? What we miss is sometimes that time to capitalize on. So many of our kids are so ready to talk at bedtime. <laughs> they just keep coming out and they want to talk some more and they want to talk some more. Man, and I, I realized that man, that is a great time for me to capitalize on time with my kids. I got to drive them somewhere, so I might as well talk to them. Sometimes I do things just with one or two of them so I can have a conversation just with them. You want to run somewhere with me today? You want to run this errand that dad's got to do? We're going to do it together so I can talk to just that one. Those are the things that we need to do. God's built them into our lives. We're going to run errands. We're going to do this stuff. So God makes it easy. And you see, here's something I've learned as a children's pastor. I've been doing this now for 15 years, six in Philly, and I'll be 10 here this summer. Is, Is that what we do here at church with our kids is not nearly as important, not even close, as what you do with your kids at home. You are the ones who are building faith into your kids. We get one hour with them. We get a few more. And so you need to build that rhythm into your life, into your family's life. We have that conversation. We're going to try to come alongside and help you. We put out God time cards that have questions for you to ask at mealtime, at bedtime, for stories to read, devotions to do as a family. They come home every Sunday. If you're like, if they're like my family, they kind of are like in your minivan, right? I got like a stack of 20 of those. They need to go into the house. We need to use them and talk about them or use something else that you're using. But we, we want to have those conversations because when kids and families have conversations about God, that's a win. 
You don't need to schedule a lot more times. You just need to interact together on the times that you have. So what matters more than anything is that my kids have an authentic relationship with God. Kids need to know that I care more about their heart than I do their behavior. My personal relationship with God affects my kids way more than I realize. And just being together is never a substitute for interacting together. Listen, those are four simple things. I promised you I wouldn't talk to you like a perfect parent because I'm not. And we're not ever gonna pretend that we are. And we're not asking you to be that. But those are four things that you and I, we could put into our family's practice today. Those are four things that we could go home and just start all four of them. Those are things that if you're pouring into the generation around you, you're a teacher or you're a leader, or you're saying, I'm not really doing anything with kids, then you gotta get involved. You gotta do something to pass faith onto the next generation. Maybe you need to be an access leader or a kid city leader. Maybe you gotta become a coach in the next you know, set of teams when it's flag football this fall or soccer or whatever. You gotta get involved in the next generation. I mean, that's what life's about. If we don't pass something on to the next generation, then what are we living for? But you and I can do these things. They're simple principles and values that usually we just have to be reminded of. That's why I wanted to sit down today and talk with you about because it's important. You know what, guys? Let me close with this. Our kids grow up so fast. You guys know that. Kids in our lives are so fast. Do you know that, that, that from a time a baby is born till they graduate from high school, we have 920 weeks. That's it. I have a, my, my youngest is four months old. And so I already only have 900 weeks left with her. That's amazing. 920. So we have 920 weeks from the time they're a baby till the time they graduate high school. By the time they go to kindergarten, they only have 630 weeks left. That's it. That's all the time we have. By the time they're in, in third grade, it's uh, 468. By the time they're in fifth grade, it's 364 weeks. That's all you have left. Fifth grade, 364 weeks. By the time they're in ninth grade, you have 200 weeks left where your child's going to be at home. And those of you guys that are passing out open house invitations today to friends here at church, you know how many weeks are left until your child moves out of your house. This goes quick. This goes quick. We can't waste the time that we have. And what's going to happen? If you don't pour faith into your child, who's going to do it? If you don't care about your neighbor's kids and whether or not they're going to heaven or not, I mean, who cares? Who else does? It's you. If you don't care about the kids that are in the next generation, if we don't pass faith on to them, who will pass it on to them? Lord Jesus, we need your help. Lord God, we, we want to be a people who, who love Pass on faith to the next generation. God, if, if, if there's no backup plan, I'll just say it that way, Lord. There's no backup plan. But I'm so glad that uh, you give us the strength. I know as a parent, sometimes I, I focus so much more on the ways I'm failing. God, you're so full of grace. And you say, I'm there, I'll help you. Come on, we can do this. And God, they're your kids even more than they're mine. You just sort of loaned them to me. But God, we want to do the best that we can. We want, to, we want to work with you, not against you. You're trying to build faith into the next generation. God, I pray that uh, we would be encouraged today as we walk out of here. Lord, we'd be lifted up. There's no guilt going on today. We're not, we're not perfect. And Lord, we, we're not trying to talk down to anybody. God, these are four things I can go home and work on today. Lord Jesus, would you do a great work in our church? Would we be a church that reaches the next generation? Lord God, 
My prayer is that every child in Elkhart County would know that you love them and that you have a plan for them. And Lord, if there's pockets of kids that don't know that, Lord, would you send our students to them? Would they be on their baseball teams? Would they be on in their school classes, Lord, so that they can tell them that you love them? And God, if they're not there, would you send them our way or, or the places that we're at? God, would we be able to get that message to them? Lord God, would every child know that you love them, that you have a plan for them? God, this summer as we do camps, as we have High Five Camp, as we do Kid City Summer Camp, as we go to Philadelphia with our fifth graders, Lord, we're trying to spread that message of Christ's love. We want to pass faith on to them. I pray that you would just be over everything that we're doing. and God, that you would help us to be effective and relevant. God, we, we want to keep this conversation going throughout this week and even next week as we keep coming back to talk some more next Sunday. God, would you be with us? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys, have an awesome week. We sure love you. We'll see you next Sunday. We'll keep talking.